Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Baranowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist, Jay Carson. Before we get started with the show today, a brief update on the Politics Guys newsletter. I'm pleased to announce that we have another contributor to the newsletter, Joe, my longtime friend and an ardent Trump supporter. Joe is the guy interviewed in the A Trump Supporter Speaks episode of the podcast. This is back when almost everyone was certain Hillary Clinton would be the next president of the United States. Now, as most of you know, neither Jay nor I are fans of President Trump, and so I thought it would be good to give you the perspective of the smart, politically astute person who really believes in what Donald Trump wants to do. In addition to Joe's commentary, this week's newsletter has me explaining why I'm really disappointed in the New York Times, Trey's thoughts on Donald Trump's alternate reality, and Zach's look at capitalism's relentless demand for constant expansion and how it's likely to accelerate under President Trump. Now, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, which comes out every Sunday, it's easy to do. Just go to our website, politicsguys.com, and sign up on the form you'll see there. You can also check out previous issues by clicking on the past newsletters link right above the sign-up form. And now, on to this week's show. Our top story this week is President Trump's executive order banning admission to the United States, all people from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. Now, the order also bans all refugees, regardless of country of origin, for the next 120 days so that a new, more rigorous, or in President Trump's word, extreme vetting process can be developed. Uh, Supporters say it will make America safer, while critics, including some Republicans, believe that it's not in keeping with American values. Now, some charge that the restriction is illegal, citing the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, which banned all discrimination against immigrants on the basis of national origin. Uh, Attorneys for two Iraqi refugees refused admission to the U.S., have filed suit and moved for class certification. And just last night, in fact, a federal judge, in fact, two federal judges, I believe, uh, issued a stay on at least part of the Donald Trump administrator or the Donald Trump immigration ban. Sorry. Uh, uh, things have been moving pretty quickly. Uh, Jay, well, what do you think about all of this? Well, yeah, things have been moving pretty quickly. Um, uh, there was someone on one of the media shows last week who said, you know, it's, it's been sort of like drinking from a fire hose. No kidding. <laughs> He's wearing me out. He really is. Um, you know, this is uh, the the um, this is to me more than what needs to be done. Um, uh, you know, I think we we talked about this back when uh, this was still just in, in the campaign of. Uh, phase and uh, Trump was was throwing these ideas around that uh, while security is important, it, he may be, in fact, um, over overdoing it and keeping out people out of the country who uh, might it might be good to have in the country. Uh, I know the tech industry uh, has in particular has has reacted um, negatively towards this, um, you know, so I and. Again, I, I, it's it's Trump being Trump. This is one of the areas where uh, I think he's he's going overboard. Uh, I think an absolute ban is is uh, inappropriate, um, uh, but uh, there it is. And I, I look, apparently the judge thought so too. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, you know we'll, that that will have to play out. I, I think. I think. What I would like to know is if pre- if President Trump even knows what the current vetting process is, because if you take a look at what that process is for people seeking asylum from, say, Syria, I mean, it's a it's a pretty extensive process. And as far sure. as I know, 
there's really no evidence that we need to increase it. I mean, it was a promise that he made, it kind of with this whole sort of America's borders and so forth. But, but I don't, I don't see the rationale. I don't believe that the administration has given a rationale aside from an, a very emotional sort of one that has absolutely no, no facts. It seems to me that the, the, that the, past system, I'm sorry, was doing a, a good job of keeping us safe and balancing that with the need to, you know, the, to bring people in and that very real American value of welcoming people, especially people who ran into, you know, uh, political oppression and so forth in, in their home countries. That's what this country is all about. I think it's an, it's certainly not unexpected. Uh, I think it's an awful move. And I certainly hope that big parts of it will be found to be uh, illegal and overturned. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say there's there's no evidence for it. I mean, the Ohio State um, uh, situation that we had uh, a couple months back, uh, again, that was someone who was uh, an immigrant from one of these countries. Now, the evidence in that tended to show, I think, that uh, he may have been radicalized after he was here. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it, I, I don't think it's a frivolous argument to be concerned about um, uh People coming over from from the other country uh, under the guise as of, of refugees or immigrants, and and then causing trouble. That's that's really happened in Europe, and and simply because it hasn't happened here, and and perhaps because of our vetting processes, doesn't mean we don't uh, take a look at it. But but look, I, I agree with you. This this was an overreach. I think he could have done a much narrower uh, rifle shot type, uh, situation, for example, just saying, look, we're going to have a moratorium that to me that, you know, the, the 120 day moratorium on, um, uh, refugees seems to be not unreasonable. Uh, the, the other pieces of this, of the, the complete ban on, on certain countries does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I think I'd probably go a little further than, than you would certainly, but, but I just like to see some sort of a, rationale as opposed to so sad, terrible. I mean, there needs to be, I'd like to think that there are some reasonable people in this administration, but they're making it really hard for me to think that, I got to say. Um, anything Anything else on this, Jay, before we move on to the other uh, just plethora of executive orders that we need well, it, to talk about today? Yeah, not on, not on th- this specifically, um, but again, there's uh, again, as you know, executive or, uh, order uh, extravaganza. Um, uh, so there's there's a lot of other stuff going on. So yeah, we'll we'll move on. Or what's what's your next executive order for? Well, the I mean, I, I've got I've got at least a half a dozen. Uh, he freezed non-security related hiring in the federal government. He stopped foreign aid to groups that provide abortion counseling. He withdrew from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement. He ordered construction to begin on the Mexico border wall. He imposed a five-year lobbying ban for all of his appointees once they leave the administration and a lifetime ban on lobbying for foreign governments. And most recently, he reshuffled the National Security Council by removing the director of national intelligence and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and adding Steve freaking Bannon to the National Security Council. I, I, I don't even know where we start, Jay. Where do, where do you want to start? There's, there's plenty, of, plenty of stuff to talk about here. All right. So, so right, let's see. Um, federal, the hiring freeze, uh, I like that. I bet you do. Um, the uh, I mean, no, I mean, I think that's that's a, a reasonable sort of uh, for order. a Republican. That is, that is, it's a, and that's that's in keeping with with the traditional sort of Republican, um, uh, you know, idea of how you ought to govern, and it's not inconsistent with what uh, other Republicans have done when they first came into office. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I think the the idea that that uh, uh, the country cannot uh, survive uh, even a few days without hiring additional uh, government officials uh, or government employees. Um, you know, I, I think we'll get by. Uh, so, OK, I'm good with that one. Uh, second, the the reinstating of the Mexico City uh, policy, which involves abortion uh, and abortion funds. Started under President Reagan, right, in the yes, 80s. Yes, uh, foreign, foreign countries. Um, I, I like that. I bet um, you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm against no, that. I mean, but look, no, I'm, I, I'm like, why, why we I'm, I'm not crazy about uh, uh, paying for anyone's uh, abortion here or anywhere. Um so, you know, I mean, I, 
Uh, I think that's I think that's fine and that's sort of reasonable. Um, before before I'm, we move I'm, on to number three, I, I'll just say that while I am against both of these things, they are the sort of things that I would expect from more or less any Republican. And so I don't think they go outside of the bounds of sort of normal uh, political action, certainly. Uh, you know, for instance, the, uh, uh, the foreign aid, the groups that provide abortion counseling, that has been since – President Reagan was in office. Whenever a Democrat comes in, they they uh, rescind it. And then whenever a Republican comes in, they bring it back. And so number one and number two, while I disagree with pretty much business as usual, I would think for any normal Republican president. But then we get right. to number three. Well, and I, and I, oh, go ahead. And I, and it, I mean, I think, you know, the Mexico City thing, we can we can talk about that sometime in, in greater depth. And we don't have 15 other orders to talk about. But, sure. I, you know, I, I think that's something that the liberals ought to be able to to at least understand. Uh, I can understand it. But I moving just don't on, agree okay. So we get so withdrawing. Yeah, but the, here's where we get a little uh, away from. from the, okay, what withdrawing from the TPP uh, yeah. against that? Uh, yeah, me too. But again, not not um, not unexpected. No. Um, no, no. And, and quite quite honestly, if Hillary had been elected, that might have happened also. Yeah, I wonder about that. But yeah, uh, certainly she uh, she pretended to be against it. But but you know, to me, and we've talked about this before, the CPP is much more than a trade agreement. It's also a trade and and security agreement in a way. And I think that's something that Donald Trump still doesn't really see. And of course, one one country that was very happy that Donald Trump did that was China. And of course, Donald Trump is really worried about China. And so one would think it would give him pause when this country who he sees as this, this horrible, awful country that, is, that has basically been giving us the business is happy about something that he does. He might want to have, you know, second thoughts about that, I would think. Right. No, I, I'm... Again, this is where I've I've differed from Trump policy-wise. Forever is uh, free trade. That is has been sort of a core piece of the uh, Republican platform. I mean, this this was again Adam Smith, more or less the guy who invented capitalism. That's what his book was about. Uh, was was free trade. Um, so yeah, I think that's a shame. And and, and again, I absolutely agree with you that uh, trade follows the flag. And uh, that expands our spheres of influence into Asia uh, and, and makes us uh, more uh, better, better positioned uh, to deal with China. Yeah, absolutely. So, so after that, uh, ordering construction to begin on the Mexico border wall. Now, I should point out that we can't really do a whole lot on that until Congress appropriates some funds. But he wanted to hit the ground running on this, I suppose. Sure. So. Yes. And I actually like the way it's phrased. Like he orders the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security to to begin construction. Right. <laughs> like, like he's got to get out he's there. He's out there with a – yeah, with start digging. Pouring and concrete. Put, put and, up there, yeah. Um, yeah, that that is sort of a, a opening move that, that uh, you'd expect. And obviously uh, that's not the question because cause Congress has to uh, fund it and uh, we'll see where that goes. And, and the number for funding – you know, originally had been kicked around at about eight billion, which in government terms is is nah, yeah, it's not so much. Um, now there's there's talk that it might be twenty five billion, right? Um, which still in government in government terms is is not a huge number, but it's a a bigger number than what was expected, and I think you may see some Republicans balk a little bit uh, at the cost. Um, well, and then the particularly present- when you're looking at cost versus efficiency. I mean, I mean. Let's be clear. I mean, there are places right now on the border where there is a a wall or or a fence, or I mean, there's there's physical impediments to getting through. And and I think again, the the order was was sort of worded to the extent of, of you know talking about physical barriers uh, without specifying yeah. a a fifty foot wall. Well, you know, so there there may be some some room to move in there. I think. Well, you know, then uh, in a, in another example of what seems to be the gang that couldn't shoot straight, uh, the the Trump administration uh, spokesperson came out and and started sort of talking about random ideas about how they might pay for this. And one thing was suggested was a a twenty percent uh, border adjustment tax, basically as part of a larger uh, reevaluation and rejiggering of the 
whole ta- corporate tax code. And of course, that just absolutely, you know, got the Mexicans very upset. And the Mexican president, who was scheduled to visit, ended up canceling it. The lady did have a phone call at, at some point after that. And, and it just seems to me that this is just a, you know, from I don't know if it, I don't know if it's Sean Spicer's uh, fault. It's probably not, but it's just a very kind of off the cuff. Just whatever random idea occurs to us, we'll just say it, and we won't really think about these things. Then when the press understandably says, hey, this sounds kind of half-baked, we'll call the press fake news and say that they're out to get us, when maybe if you just displayed a little more competence and a little more thought, a lot of these things wouldn't happen. Well, I think I think you're I, I agree on a lot of what you're saying, but I think you're conflating a couple things. OK. Um, first of all, the, yeah, the idea of a sort of a surcharge on Mexican goods uh, is absolutely horrible, terrible. Um, to me, that's that's probably the worst thing that that he said. Uh, since taking office. And you know who's going to pay for that, of course. It's going to be American consumers are going to pay for that. Right, right. Um, and again, that's that's in keeping with, you know, listen, it, it's like it, he we, does, I mean, he doesn't understand do whole... how trade works. That's what I mean. That's what it seems to me that he doesn't understand how trade works and that whole argument. And, and it just it's just I think we're going to keep on pushing back against this and being just befuddled by what seemed to be trade-related decisions that are so clearly not in the long-term interests of the United States. Well, you know, I'm wondering if this may or may not be one where we take them seriously, but not literally. Um, you know, and and I, it's, it's, I'm not sure how, how you, you, you understand what I mean by oh, that. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that, that, look, he's, you know, he's not really talking about a surcharge, but he's talking about, all right, I want some other concessions. I want some something uh, something else uh to give away to uh either you know change the, the wall to do no, something you, like that it's a bar it's a bargaining position you, you're right and, and and to be fair to be fair that you know it I, I try to remind myself on a regular basis that donald trump is a product of his experience just like any other politician or any other person in office and so you know uh, president obama's experience was that of community organizer is you know a life in politics donald trump's experience very different and maybe he sees a lot of these things as opening gambits in a negotiation yeah. so i'll just say something just crazy and then we'll be able to compromise and uh, somewhere that's you know uh, not as crazy and and i hope that's i certainly hope that's the case uh, although you know, I was kind of hoping that was the case with the immigration ban, and it turned out no. He actually wanted to do the crazy thing, and so boom, he he yeah, did well, it. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll see though. Well, yeah, we'll see because in the immigration ban, there may be something when we we come out with whatever the extreme vetting is uh, that there's there's something different there. Yeah. Um, uh, well, okay, what, what's next? Gosh, uh, uh, in, in imposing <laughs> a five-year lobbying ban for all of his appointees when they're when they're out of the administration, and then a lifetime ban on lobbying for foreign governments. Um, yeah, I'm all right with that. Well, I'm, I'm I mean, all right most, with most, that. Most people, most people would say that's probably good. You know, typically good government. Yeah. That, um, well, that's... I mean, I, I, although although I'm I'm a I'm a defender of of the lobbying industry. I mean, again, some of my best friends are lobbyists. Um, and and you know, it sort of Im- imputes something sinister where there, there may not be. Uh, I think a five year ban is probably long. Um, uh, Ohio used to have a one year ban. Um, uh, there actually have been, you know, it was, it was overturned on, on a constitutional basis. So there might be a constitutional claim, um, you know, by one of these people somewhere down the, down the road, but it's, it's not a claim that anyone's really going to care about. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> so, I don't, I don't think there are any constitutional I mean, of, of the general, the general public. I mean, I think there, it, it may well be unconstitutional for no. a president to say, yeah, no, 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 you can, you can set now that you're, 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 you're entirely wrong on that, but we'll talk about that. Uh, we will maybe talk got, about that later, like, but I got like seven okay. Ohio Supreme court justices who disagree with you. Well, you know, the Ohio constitution is a different thing from the United States constitution, right? Jay? Well, it's still got the free speech. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but that's okay. Um, the point being is it really doesn't matter. This is, this is political theater. It's lobbying bans only apply to direct lobbying. And so it's so easy to get around these things. There's no enforcement it's just done for show and it's just it's this it's the pretense of good government and it's it's just impossible to enforce so it means i think essentially nothing you know let me let me explain what i mean i'm not i'm not against 
uh, a law being banned. I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing if it could be enforced. And, and what I meant by that distinction uh, for listeners between direct lobbying and indirect lobbying is these bans are only about can only cover direct lobbying, which means just what it sounds like, directly lobbying on behalf of some some corporation or foreign government or something like that. But it doesn't cover indirect lobbying where you could be an advisor and you're not the person doing the actual lobbying yourself, but you're advising the people who are doing the lobbying. And so it, it it's essentially it's a it's a loophole big enough to drive a couple of trucks through at least. And so it unfortunately there's no real good way to prevent people from leaving government and learning what they use to influence government and that whole kind of revolving door thing. And, and, and I don't really see that changing, but I, I'm for it in theory. And, and sometimes, and although again, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Sometimes that's a good thing of having someone with knowledge of government uh, sure. being out there to, to come back. So. Sure. Yeah. In some cases, but I think, at least in my view, and a view certainly of a lot of people on the left, is that it's it's a big problem because you end up getting into this sort of uh, influence peddling and manipulation right. business and so forth. But uh, yeah, and then finally. The last thing I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of executive orders is uh, Donald Trump uh, announced that the National Security Council makeup would be changed. He's he's removing the director of national intelligence. He's removing the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he's adding Steve Bannon. That, I, that to I, me I, is is troubling. I, I think the director of national intelligence ought to be on there. You know, uh, I think more so <laughs> than Bannon Steve Bannon. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't I, get. I, I could even. I could even live with with uh, having Bannon added. Uh, again, not crazy about that, but but you know, could uh, given that the other folks were there. Um, I just think this is a big middle finger to the intelligence community, which he said, you know, he was okay with certainly, and 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 clearly he's not. I I just to me this this makes no sense. This is just something that's done to basically, like I said, just kind of a, a whole middle fingers. I'm president. I'll do what I want. And if I want Steve Bannon to, to be in this group, I will, even though he's got absolutely no qualifications and no background. And, you know, by the way, that he was, he was in the Navy. Oh, well, there you go. OK, so, well, you know, that that's all you really need. I, to me, this is just just another example of this guy not knowing what he's doing. And, and yeah, I think I mean, actually, in fairness, I think he was involved in, in uh, Navy intelligence. Well, we can look that up. We can we can look that up. But I, I believe yes has some background. Yes, yeah, but again, he is certainly not background. the director of national intelligence, or nor the director of the CIA, uh, and and nor do I, you know, as as his what his role is supposed to be in the White House as sort of political advisor. I I'm not sure that I see him as the appropriate person you'd have there. Yeah, I just think more and more that that, that unfortunately I, I'm I'm coming to the conclusion that that. That here's a guy who doesn't have the background that you need for a president of the United States, doesn't know how government works, really, thinks he does, but doesn't want to hear anything contrary to that. And just just flat out in so many areas has no clue about what he's doing. And the worst thing of all, I think, is that he is not willing to listen to any other views that contradict his, and so I, I don't know that there's much well, chance see, that he's going to learn. I, 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 I know what he's there doing. based on on some of the cabinet picks because I think he has picked a number of of uh, cabinet uh, secretaries whose views do differ for, from his. Um, you know, even General uh, Mattis. Yeah, okay, and, and Nikki Haley. Yeah, so, you're fair enough. Okay, so, so okay. I think I mean I think there's going to be some of that now. You know, there's there's a difference between sometimes cabinet uh, officials and and uh, your your inside White House people. And those are uh, the most important people, people are, by the are, way. Tend to be, yeah, tend to be all the yes men. But uh, again, that's not something that would be unheard of. But um, I, should, I should point out that people sometimes think that the cabinet officials are like the main folks. But honestly, it's the, the people who in, in, in modern White Houses who tend to have the most power are those folks, those those informal advisors, those close people. And, and those are the folks that I'm really worried about. And those are the folks that Donald Trump seems to be. I, I just I just see this being set up, unfortunately, for a, for a sort of a Nixonian paranoid bubble sort of thing in, in, in the worst possible way. I hope I'm wrong about this. But gosh, what I've seen in this first, you know, little more than a week is is I I've got I've got some major concerns, Jay. I gotta say this, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff I expected, but 
more than anything else is just the, well, the running war with the media, calling the New York Times fake news because he doesn't like what he's saying. Just words matter. And the way this president and his, his people are responding, Steve Bannon saying, I believe the media should just shut up and listen. This this does not augur well. Yeah, um, I hear you. Uh, with with the media thing, the the approach he's taking, which is that uh, we are, you know, the, he and the media are essentially two different sides, um, is different. But I I also I sort of respect that there's there's some truth in that. Um, he is sort of, you know, I think viewing that situation accurately. Um, and, and there's to me, it's a, it's a little refreshing to say, you know, call out the media on some things because they have gotten uh, lots of things wrong. Uh, and, and lots of things. It's yeah, uh, oh, okay. it's clearly are biased against him. I mean, I, I mean, I, can you can you argue that the media is is looking at the Trump presidency from an even handed? Let's see what happens. Let's report the facts uh, type view I or, see. or as the as the New York sure. Times put on their front page. We're not going to cover him fairly because we don't think he deserves to be covered fairly. Well, I, um, I, I, think, that's, I, mean, I, think, I think that's a I, mischaracterization. I think, but I see what you're saying. Let, let me let me agree with you a little bit before I disagree with you, OK? Uh, I'll agree with you a little bit in saying that I – in fact, in the newsletter this week, I, I talk a lot about how disappointed I am with the New York Times because I feel that what they're doing, what they're starting to do more and more is to, to, to not – clearly separate their news content from their editorial content. Now, I hope and I, I I encourage the New York Times, the Washington Post, the mainstream media to strongly come out in an editorial way on the op-ed page in their opinion pieces against some of the stuff that Donald Trump is doing that I think is just not just wrong, but just could potentially disastrously wrong. I think that's hugely sure. important. But what I don't want them to do what I think really hurts their credibility with with me and I think a lot of other people is when they can't separate that from the news reporting. And so, you know, have a clear news story saying this is what Donald Trump did and this is how people reacted. But be careful to keep the inflammatory language and everything out of your own reporting and keep that in your editorial page so that way you can, you know, keep your credibility. And the New York Times has had a problem with that lately and it's been really disappointing to me. But that said, I mean, I, I understand why they're, why they're freaking out, but I think they're not doing it in, in the right way. So yeah, in that sense, I agree with you. But again, I think Donald Trump is just a, is a liar of colossal proportions. I think he has huge, huge problems, some serious personality issues that make him fundamentally unfit for the office of president of the United States. And I am glad that the media is pushing back hard against this and they'll continue to do that. I just want to make sure they do it in the right way. Yeah, no, and I, I don't uh, disagree with the media pushing hard. And I think I've said before to those who are afraid of, of, um, you know, uh, Trump doing doing bad stuff. He this is going to be the most uh, most covered, most reported upon, um, most skeptically viewed uh, uh, administration in in the history of, of forever. Um, so, Thankfully. you know, I, I think that's that's a good thing. Um, but as you said, uh, it, it ought to be done in terms of the here's here's the facts and and here's our opinion of it and it's it's something separate yeah absolutely. Uh, but but I, but also i mean you agree with me trump is is not he's not wrong to say that the media is against him well no but he's saying I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're right sort of, you're right i he, mean if i had a president who thought that there was uh who thought they were getting along great i i with the media in this situation i'd be concerned that this guy just isn't seeing what's going on but, but again you're right but but again the, the issue i think is that he's not just saying that they're against him which sure they are and i'd say rightfully so he's actually questioning their legitimacy when you call something fake news just because you disagree with it well it's not fake it's just you could say it's unfair okay fine you can say they don't have the facts or all the facts that's fine but flat out calling it fake that's just that's just wrong it's just wrong and he continues to do it and 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 i think that's hugely problematic all right all right well before we move on uh i would like to to talk about that next week i'm betting yeah i'm sure (laughs) Uh, we'll be talking about it a lot um anyway uh i want to thank our new supporters this week we had a whole bunch of new monthly sustaining supporters through patreon which is yeah really great um 
first we have Darren from Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Darren wrote in with a really thoughtful reflection on corporate influence and news and, and something I think we might want to look at in a future Ask the Politics Guys episode. I just want to read part of what he wrote. I said, uh, thank you guys for putting together your podcast. One of the reasons I like your show is that it's free from corporate sponsors or influence. Uh, over the past few years, I've been growing more and more concerned over not only the influence that corporations and rich individuals have on politics, but also their influence on the media. Many of the same corporations and individuals have used their pocketbooks to influence policy for their own beliefs are also owners of major news organizations. And, uh, and Darren suggests that the people who are interested in non-corporate influence media might consider The Atlantic, National Review, The Intercept, Mother Jones, Reason, Democracy Now!, and the Center for Public Integrity. And he says, uh, concludes by saying, thanks again for putting together a great podcast. And, you know, I think, Jay, that that's well, really thank, an thank interesting you, topic. Yeah, and I, I, I'd really like to get into it in, in much more depth and, uh, and ask the politics guys at some point in the future. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Dai Lin from Pawnee, Oklahoma, who writes, I love the podcast. I can't stress how refreshing it is to see issues discussed respectfully. Uh, okay. Now we have, uh, let's see, Jessica from Andalusia, Alabama. And Jessica okay. writes, I want to thank you guys for being able to disagree without being nasty to each other. I'm a liberal who's been searching for a podcast that presents conservative viewpoints in a way that doesn't involve an angry guy spitting into a microphone. And I got to say, Jay's perspective is so welcome in a sea of Hannity's and Beck's. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. And she says, "There, there are some who feel I've not been outraged enough." Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's on true. either side. Either we'll we'll way, get I to think. that. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, in listener mail. Um, and then she says, "Mike, I generally agree with," which goes without saying. Uh, says, "I'm learning a lot from y'all. Keep it up." And our oh, final, thanks. our final two Patreon supporters this week are uh, are Evan and Gustavo. I don't know where they're from, but I do know that we really do appreciate your support. Now, if you're interested in supporting the show financially, like all these great folks did last week, uh, you can go to politicsguys.com. You'll see the Patreon or PayPal, PayPal donation links there, and we certainly would absolutely appreciate uh, your support. And finally, it would all, as always, it would be a big help if you can spread the word about the show by sharing or retweeting our new show posts on Facebook and Twitter and leaving reviews of the show on iTunes. Okay, um, Jay, you know... It's hard for me to believe that I'm saying this, but mm. we're going to talk again about the presidential election uh, again because oh I, I, I'm ready to move on. I'm betting you're ready to move on, right? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. but you know who can't let it go? President Trump can't let it go. I mean, the sorest of sore winners here. This week, the president repeated his claim that there were millions of illegal votes cast in the presidential election, saying that all of them were votes for Hillary Clinton. Uh, <laughs> sure. The so-called research he cited in support of this is from a group that says around 3 million votes were fraudulent, but the, the, this group refuses to provide any evidence whatsoever supporting this claim. Now, on the other hand, both Republican and Democrat elect, election officials reject this wild claim, and even President Trump's own attorneys have previously stated that, and I quote, all available evidence suggests that the 2016 general election was not tainted by fraud or mistake. The president tweeted a call for an investigation, but it doesn't seem like there's anything to investigate. Uh, what do you think, Jay? Yeah, it's it's unclear what he's, he's doing here. Um, you know, part of me thinks, look, it may be there's always this sort of, and I, 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 I had this um, uh, comparison, uh, you know, a couple couple nights ago. Um, uh, Turner Classic Movies had uh, some of the old uh, Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies uh -huh. on, and and you know Inspector Clouseau, who appears to be this bumbling fool, uh, but yet always ends up solving the case somehow. And and there's this, you know, the the theory is is he really just this bumbling fool, or is is this all intentional and he's really knows what he's doing? Um, so I'm I'm wondering is is this just a classic Trump misdirection? Um, you know, while he's doing all these other executive orders, hey, I'm going to say something crazy about uh, voter fraud, uh, and the media will go chasing after that stick for a while uh, while I do all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, there's there's that possibility. Uh, there is the possibility that. Uh, it's it's just Trump being Trump, and he's firing off some goofy tweets, and and because that's what he does. Uh, fish got to swim, birds got to fly. Um, 
the third possibility I would say is, I mean, I, I'm, you know, we disagree on on voter fraud and voter integrity issues. Uh, some of what he seemed to be talking about was uh, purging voter rolls, making sure that the people who are uh, registered are actually alive and are actually alive and living in the place where they say they're living. Um, and to me, that's that's not uh, that's not extreme. That's not over the top. That's just sort of good good civic maintenance. Um, but that's not what that he's said, saying, right? I mean, he's saying there not, are millions exactly, of that's, yeah. that's not that's not voter fraud. That's that's not uh, because I do believe there is that that potential there. Um, as I told you, I I I once had an experience where we had uh, sure. uh, four other registered people living in our house uh, who we never saw, um, uh, and and I. I've known people who have actually been convicted of voter fraud. Right. But, uh, but but to the point, I mean, you agree that it's it's incredibly irresponsible for the president of the United States to make claims about millions of uh, fraudulent votes being cast with absolutely no evidence to support that. Yeah. Okay. I, I think there's no, there's no evidence to show that there's millions or it's massive voter fraud. I think voter fraud occurs, but I, I think it's marginal. It's around the edges uh, and it can affect some elections and it goes to the integrity of the process and something we want to look at. But when you're saying millions and millions, I and all for my uh, opponent, you know, <laughs> all <for my> opponent. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty unhinged. I think is the word that comes to mind. Anyway, um, so we will we will follow up on that if that massive investigation gets underway or if that group releases any actual evidence. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be. You know, the other, the other piece of this is, I mean, I suppose the federal government can investigate, but the primary. Uh, responsibility for this sort of states. stuff lies with state secretary yep. of states, and they have so. they have yeah all said that no this this just isn't a thing. But uh, uh, President Trump doesn't seem to be interested in what they have to say. So anyway, it's time for listener mail, Jay. Um, you kind of right. you kind of took it sort of hard, or you were you were giving it sort of hard last week, and so. I'm happy to say we'll have some J Defenders in this week's listener mail. Nice. So the J Defenders strike back. Anyway, um, but before we get to that, first, uh, Tristan from Rixleyville, Virginia, who writes, I'm so tired of the partisan yelling that happens on cable news and my Facebook feed. Your podcast is always such a welcome addition to my week. I went to the Women's March in D.C. and it was an amazing, inspiring event. To keep the movement going, organizers and Michael Moore have been encouraging people to run for office on the local level. Could you give me some advice on how to run for office? Thanks. Well, I think um, – I guess it depends on what local level you're talking about. I mean uh, um, you know, my, my first suggestion would be get the lay of the land – uh, see who is in office, uh, see what spaces are coming up available. Um, you know, what, what you don't want to do, I think in a lot of cases is, um, get yourself off on the wrong foot. If there are people who could be allies, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm assuming we're talking about a democratic primary here. Um, you know, you don't want to be the guy who jumps in the primary and uh, mucks up the soup and gets everybody mad at you uh, for the rest of your life. So get get the lay of the land um, and uh, see who's there and see who you can talk to, and you know, approach the the uh, uh, sort of whoever whomever the the party elders are and say, look, I might be interested in running someday. Uh, what can I do to get there? Yeah. Yep. And I think a lot of them would, would say, hey, help out in this campaign, help out in this campaign and do this and, you know, sort of gradually position yourself. Now, now if on the other hand, you know, you're looking at I'm going to uh, make a, uh, a Bernie-esque, uh, Trump-esque, uh, you know, challenge to the status quo, um, then that's sort of a different kind of process. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there are there are a few resources I'd like to recommend for people. Uh, you might want to check out runforsomething.net. And this is a site started by a group that has as, as its mission helping progressives under 35 run for office. And again, that's runforsomething.net. Run for something. <laughs> yeah, run for whatever, you know, run for something. Um, there's also uh, something called Candidate College. It's a series of YouTube videos that talk about all the sort of nuts and bolts of, of running for office. And it's just search for Candidate 
College on YouTube. And if you're uh, if you're a female, there's a site that you might want to check out running for office called sheshouldrun.org uh, that has some useful information. And so there are a lot of re- if, if a lot of male, resources. You cannot look at that site. Yeah, I don't know if heshouldrun.org really. It, there's a site there, but anyway, sheshouldrun.org. Those are those are three resources I would definitely recommend to uh, progressive type folks who are interested in running for office. So okay, the, the, the other piece also all the the information I think is really pretty pretty easily available, much more so than it was a generation oh, ago. Oh, sure. Uh, through your, your your local board of elections, uh, secretary of state, they have sort of whole big guides of here's the forms you need to fill out and so right. forth. Here's what you need to do. Here's the deadlines, that kind of thing. So of that, that part of it has been made much easier than it used to be. Which is nice. Yeah. Okay, next is dial in from Pawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, Dylan is also one of our newest monthly supporters through Patreon. Uh, he's got two questions for us. Uh, first, okay. I was wondering what you both think about gerrymandering. I know it's been around since the founding of this country, but I think it's clearly undemocratic cherry-picking citizens to make dist- districts less competitive or marginalizing groups. I mean, have you looked at some of these districts? It's ludicrous. I would love to hear your thoughts on its impact. I personally think it's incredibly damaging to our democracy. Well, you know, I I agree that it's not a good thing. And you're right. You look at some of these districts and, and they are, in, in fact, ludicrous. Uh, I think there's been you know, there's, there's been a movement in a number of states to try to make redistricting a nonpartisan type thing. And in some states that's actually succeeded. And I think those districts tend to work out a little bit better. I, I think as a general rule, it's not a good idea to have, you know, the, the parties be able to design their own districts. Uh, and so uh, this is changing a little bit and uh, a little bit for the better. I hope that kind of momentum continues. But on the other hand, I think sometimes a little bit too much can be made of the impact of gerrymandering. Yes, it's not a good thing, but it's a little less significant than a lot of people in the media make it out to be. Uh, it matters kind of at the margin some. It tends to help out uh, at this point Republicans a little more than Democrats, but it's it's often easy to overstate its effect. Jay, what do you think? Well, well let me – I just as someone who, who lives in a district, a congressional district where – uh, I live on the uh, the immediate west side of Cleveland, and I share a congressperson with Toledo, um, which is so way if way. If you're east. familiar with with the geography of Ohio, yeah, it's it's a bizarre sort of long stretch. Um, and ironically, that district was was drawn by Democrats uh, to draw out uh, another Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's oftentimes. When we talk about the the way districts are set up, um, there's the implication or the idea that it's all one party just sort of saying, aha, here's what we do. But there's sort of wheels within wheels within wheels. Um, And there are other complications that come into it, uh, one being Voter Rights Act uh, and either having to be certain minority majority districts, um, which I think actually hurt Democrats. No, it definitely uh, has in terms of representation, yeah. Uh, another another factor that's just been going on, and I think this is this is bad. I, I agree with you. Gerrymandering is, is a problem in that it, it takes out. That means there's are, there aren't competitive races in in so many districts, and that's that's I think bad for democracy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but you know the other thing that's happening is just sort of the self sorting that uh, we've gone through over the last couple decades. Yeah. And and we we have fewer places where you have uh, people of, of differing political opinions living together, and I think that's that's a shame too. Um, uh, there's there's less that can be done about that. Um, uh, and the, the third factor in this is uh, computer modeling and demographic research tools that we have now that we didn't have before. That you know dem, uh, makes it a lot easier. District, districts can be drawn, yeah, so so much. More precisely. Well, back in um, our so, day, you had to pull out a piece of paper and a slide rule, and uh, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, I think we could do a whole, we could do a whole Ask the Politics Guy show on that. I we think sure that'd be could. fun. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's move on to the dialing second yep. question. Uh, as an Iraq War vet, seeing Trump as Commander in Chief is distressing. Do you have any general thoughts about the military under Trump? Um, well, I'll, uh, I'll leave this to you, Mike. I mean, because you are a yeah, Desert Storm. I, I, I am a vet. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little distressed too. Uh, I do like, I will start with something that I like, uh, which is something I don't say a lot about 
President Trump, but I like, at least I understand his general idea about being a little more cautious about uh, committing U.S. troops to uh, to areas that might not be in the long-term interest of the U.S., so I like that, certainly. I'm concerned with some of his national security picks. I'm deeply concerned. We just talked about it earlier in the show. That's, a, I think, a big issue. I, you know, it seems to me that Donald Trump is a supporter of the military. He certainly loves generals and has surrounded himself with them, and I think that's problematic for some other reasons. But uh, I, just, I just certainly hope that when it comes to foreign policy and provocations that he doesn't react in his usual kind of off-the-cup, shoot-from-the-hip way in terms of committing uh, U.S. troops before really seriously considering the implications of that. Jay? Uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think part of his platform was, um, uh, you know, less involvement in uh, in a lot of places in the world. Now, that being said, you know, it occurred to me last week, most every uh, president uh, comes into office with that sort of, I'm going to limit our foreign footprint. Uh, and it just tends not to happen because the the world tends not to cooperate. So so we'll we'll see what happens. Um uh, that said, I mean, I, I think Trump has given the indication of from as far as how the military is run, uh, the guy, a guy who would give a lot of deference to uh, the Joint Chiefs and, and military planners to, to do that. And it's not going to be some any kind of you know presidential micromanaging that, that, that the military would have to worry about. Um, I mean, would you agree on that, Mike, that I, I, he's going to he's going to more or less let them do their own thing? I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. From I think if, I don't think so. I think if he finds something that he just decides he disagrees with, he's going to not let them do their own thing. He certainly he just kicked the, the chairman of the JCS off of the, uh, uh, you know, off of the National Security Council. So, no, I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I hope that's right. But we'll see. Um, okay. All right. Next is John from Centerville, Ohio. Just uh, down the road from me, not too far. Yeah, uh, John writes, love the podcast, founded in August, and I cannot wait for new episodes. I'm curious as to thoughts on how the Democrats can retake the House and Senate. Me, me too, John. Um, <laughs> seems they are more vulnerable to losing seats than the GOP. Will this flip over time? Additionally, will we ever see a third party make serious strides into being more nationally relevant? Um, okay, so will this flip over time almost certainly yeah the yes. republicans won't have a stranglehold over congress forever now in the next in 2018 uh, republicans should probably do okay unless donald trump is a complete disaster because there are a lot more democrats defending seats in the senate but uh, that democrats should pick up some seats in the house i would imagine uh, but that that changes over time uh, so yeah it's just going to a matter of being a little patient in terms of a third party making serious strides no, Never. that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just how the system is set up. The system is set up by the two main parties at the federal and at the state level to advantage the two main parties. And that will not be changing, I think, ever. I feel confident in but, saying that. Yeah, but but what does happen is that the parties themselves change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is, I mean, there's no starker uh, you know, view of that than, than what just happened with the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. So, so it's um, internal for, change, for, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, the changes are sort of absorbed uh, from outside and, and happen internally. Okay. So now I mentioned that I mentioned, Jay, that, you know, there were there were a few people who wrote in and, and posted on Facebook and were really concerned that you'd become sort of a Trump spokesperson. Um, <laughs> and you you responded to those folks uh, last week. But like I said this week, some folks uh, wrote in who wanted to defend you. And I wanted to read I appreciate a couple that. of yeah, well, yeah. them. I thought you might. Uh, first is longtime listener Kevin from Wisconsin. Uh, he writes, I thought I would respond to the listener criticism you read on the recent podcast, specifically about the listener who deleted the podcast in response to Jay's political views. I call BS. I've been listening for a very long time, and I've heard nothing but balance from you two, and not balance for the sake of balance, because we all know that just because the two si- there are two sides to an argument doesn't mean both sides are equal. This listener clearly has a longing for confirmation and validation of her beliefs, which thankfully she doesn't get from your show. Jay has been nothing but fair. Full disclosure, I am pretty fiscally conservative and anti-Trump. While this listener want, What this listener wanted was for Jay to be the conservative punching bag to Mike's liberal slant. That formula obviously works. Just look at MSNBC and Fox. 
Thankfully, that doesn't seem to be what your program is about. I really enjoy what you guys do. I can't imagine how difficult it is to deal with criticisms like that. Jay, you handled it very well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And he said, Mike, I'm sure you get your share of criticism as well, though not from this conservative. I don't agree with you on many of your views, but I certainly enjoy the intellectual discussion and the rational defense of your views. I don't want to listen to a program where someone browbeats the political opposite. There are enough of those programs, and thankfully yours is different. The loss of this listener has prompted me to donate to your show. Jay, keep up the good work and don't let the criticism get to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I thought that was it. a. And I won't. Yes. <laughs> Jay's got pretty thick skin. Some of the stuff he's had to put I've up with. Worse. Yeah, I, I get I get worse every day. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, he's an attorney, and so of course he's used to people just sort of, you know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Finally, there's Sebastian. Uh, I'm not sure where Sebastian's from, but anyway, Sebastian writes. Hey, guys, I've been listening to the show for a fair amount of time, and I think you guys do great work with such a marked partisan split. It is important to have the sort of discussion that you guys have. I was inclined to write to you guys after listening to the Is Jay a Trump Shill? Is Mike Wrong About Cuba? episode. Um, as a libertarian, I was baffled by the amount of criticism directed to Jay over his position on the show. I love listening to your podcast, and I feel the complete opposite way. Whenever you guys are debating certain issues, Jay always leaves me wanting more. Not because he isn't a great speaker, but because I feel the opposite way of the emails. Jay, I feel you're too, you're, you're restraining yourself too much. There are so many situations where I just want you to snap and correct Mike when he says something you and I could perfectly correct. I believe this might be the actual reason for the email. Sometimes you give your position, but don't go into the why. As we know, Democrat talking points usually sound nicer than the Republican libertarian counterparts, although they are not viable. Sometimes you should give a deeper explanation of your views you hold because many of the leftist listeners won't understand the reasoning behind it and think you're just a good old stupid Republican. That's my piece. I love the show and the work you are both doing. I thought you'd like that one. Thank, yes, thank you. I, I shall endeavor to do better on that front. Uh, although sometimes, I, you know, Mike, when uh, sometimes you'll say stuff and uh, often – I sometimes think the best thing is just to let it lie and let let people make up their own minds. But yep. uh, um, and I, I've gotten similar, you know, criticisms about uh, about that. Kind of on the other side, saying, "Why do you let Jay say that stuff?" And, and, and <laughs> well, there are a couple of times where I've just been just sort of gobsmacked. But there are also some other times where, just like you, I just think, well, it just sort of makes sense to uh, let it let it uh, be out there and let people sort of. Uh, uh, interpret it as their own mind, you know yes. sometimes yeah but uh but but yeah we we definitely appreciate it It just goes to show you there are always gonna i would be concerned if everyone loved what we were doing right i mean that would be probably uh that would probably be a bad thing if we didn't get suppose, yeah. and anyone worked up a little bit over that kind of thing but anyway uh I, I i said i wanted to let the j supporters speak so if you have a comment question or a correction for us maybe you don't think i'm being hard enough on on, on someone i know there were a number of uh Bernie Sanders supporters who feel that early on. Yeah. yeah, everybody was mad at you. Before. Definitely. Now they're mad at you. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> that works out for me. Anyway, if you want to, if you want to join the conversation here, uh, send us an email at mail at politicsguys.com or you can message us on the Facebook Politics Guys page. Uh, we, we get a lot of email these days and while we can't read everyone on the air uh, and sometimes we have to edit them for, for length and so forth, we most definitely will personally respond to every single listener email and Facebook message we get. Oh, okay, Jay. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode. Like I said, yes. Donald Trump has, has a, set a blistering pace, uh, and so we're, we're trying to respond. But anyway. And, and next week, I very much hope we can talk about you know some political story that, that isn't just all Trump. Yeah, that would be um, nice. But but just the, the, the situation uh, has – has not left us that option. No, no. <laughs> this Un week. So unfortunately, no. Yes, uh, but but so we'll we'll hope for that next week. Uh, in, before then, though, if you have any you know thoughts, comments, criticisms, questions, uh, again, that email you can send stuff to is mail at politicsguys.com, and of course our Facebook page, facebook.com/politicsguys page, and we post stuff on Twitter at politicsguys. And we would appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, and if you could share and retweet our new show posts and tweets, that really helps us a lot. If you'd like to support the show financially, we've got the Patreon and PayPal links on the website. And finally, if you enjoy the show, definitely check out the Politics Guys weekly newsletter. We're always adding stuff to it. And if you can, if you're not sure, you can look at previous newsletters at our site, politicsguys.com.
Politics Guys will be back next Sunday. We hope you'll join us.